Welcome to Hockey Night in New York, where Islanders hockey always reigns supreme. Whether you were raised at the barn in Uniondale or born in the stable at Belmont, Hockey Night in New York is your home for all things Isles. Now, let's drop the puck and get this party started. Ladies and gentlemen, it is Hockey Night in New York. Welcome to the program, everyone. It is Monday, October 18th, 2022. With a little pre-recorded audio version of the show tonight. Chris Botta joining me as my co-host. My name is Sean Cuthbert. Going to talk about the Isles dropping the puck on the season. Some game ops and, and plenty more to come. Thanks a lot for tuning in on your favorite pod provider. Chris Botta, how are you? Great, Sean. Great to be on with you. Hello to all the fans out there. I actually think this has been a very, very interesting, intriguing, and positive start to the season, despite the one and one. I, I saw a lot of good things that I, if you're looking for reasons to believe in the running it back, I think you started to see some just in these first two games. It's a start. Chris, I, I happen to agree with you. And speaking of good starts to the season, I want to give a, an official warm, warm welcome to you jumping aboard the Hockey Night New York crew. I am the permanent, temporary co-host <laughs> when like seven other people are out of town. No, I, yeah, it reminds me of like Jay Leno would be the permanent co-host for Johnny Carson back in the day. So uh, thank you for the welcome. Thank you to Christian and all the people who work on the show and all the fans here. It's a joy. This has always been my favorite Islander podcast. I think it's one of the ones that sets the standard. So to be able to walk down the block and uh, and do this, whether it's in the studio or the home studio, it's a joy. So thank you. Chris, absolutely appreciate you coming on board, and, and thanks very much. And, and, yeah, poor Christian, huh, having to go all the way out to the Bronx tonight. Game doesn't even get played, and he's got to go back tomorrow. That's baseball, and then I assume he's rolling into basketball season when that's over. So Yeah, he's he's a busy man. Yeah. He's a busy busy fellow. So the so the the permanent substitute co-host <laughs> might might be on more than maybe some people want me we'll, to. Uh, we'll work on that title for the business card, but, uh, but again, happy to have you aboard. But folks, before we dive into everything, I want to remind you all that we are proud to be presented by Blue Line Deli and Bagels, located at 719 West Jericho Turnpike in Huntington, new location at 217 Carlton Avenue in East Islip, and of course, UBS Arena in Belmont. Check them out at bluelinedeli.com. Also happy to be sponsored by RJ Daniels American Bar and Grill, located at 279A Sunrise highway the best place to catch the game if you can't be at the game and of course a huge thanks to our brand new sponsor lost farmer brewing company located at 63a 2nd street in mineola check out the tap room over there fantastic stuff going on over there and of course don't forget the brand new stable shaker celebrating ubs arena the american lager it is delicious and fantastic so with the pleasantries out of the way chris Let's dive into it because the Islanders finally played two regular season games. And as you alluded to in the beginning, I would say a positive start, obviously 500, one and one. But I think we saw more things than we liked as opposed to things that we didn't like. Yeah. And that's, you know, I mentioned the Florida game when I put it on, I'll be honest with you. I, I thought there was a chance that they could get their doors blown off. Uh, Florida <laughs> sure. is a really <laughs> talented team. Um, the Islanders had won all those preseason games at the end, and I just wondered about expectations. And, and man, if we have a drinking game about every time somebody <laughs> mentions the D moving up into the play, we're all going to be crap-faced uh, <laughs> yes, well before the All-Star break. I, I think that's going to get to be a pretty tired narrative soon, although it certainly worked out beautifully in game two. But I just, in the Florida game, if you watch it, there were a lot of signs that, 
I'll just speak for myself. We're just like, you know what? They're going to be all right. You know, like I, I thought, you know, Kachuk was all over the place. He did his yeah. thing. But, you know, I thought overall, I just thought it was a pretty good performance. They got what, and the other thing I liked about it, I get it. You wouldn't feel this way if you bought tickets and you went, right? But I didn't mind even that they lost. It felt like a lesson game. The The, the previous coach would have used it as something to put on the board and roll back the tape. And I'm sure that's what they did. So they got what they deserved and then they came back and then they took it to Anaheim. So that's why when I say it was a successful one, two punch to start the season, I just thought there were a lot of things to like. Yeah, I get that. And, and to focus in on that first game, I mean, look, it's, Brand new system, well, technically brand new system, somewhat brand new system under a new coach, and I think you were going to kind of expect maybe some some lumps out of the gate, right? And and they actually came out strong in that first period. They played very well. I think they put 16 shots on goal up. Then they sputtered out a little bit in the second. That's kind of what led to the loss. I mean, yes, it says 3-1 on the scoreboard, but it was 2-1 to one essentially with the empty netter, and... And you have, I suppose, some fans groaning about the fact that, ah, you know, they had their chances and no scoring. Is it, Are we going to keep seeing this like we did last season? It's one game, but I, I took some positives out of it, too. I think they looked pretty good. And and funny enough, too, their, their overall record in season opening games is pretty awful. No matter how good or bad the teams have been, it's just for whatever reason, opening night just typically hasn't been good for them. So, look, they got that one out of the way. Like you said, they bounce back on Saturday against Anaheim, and, and it goes from one extreme to the other, where not only they putting up seven seven goals in the scoreboard, but you, you talk about the defense, and, and they ran the show. It, it felt like the homecoming game, right? Where the, sure. the high school team, you know, they picked the one team who they feel like they could win. It, it, it was just a, the happy side to the start of this season. I was really, you know, this will always be a thing with me. I am interested in what coaches have to say it after games i'm interested in um, their personas in how they react and lane lambert after that first game and this is the way he is this is the way he's going to be mm-hmm. he's fairly flat even keeled uh and after a loss it doesn't always play well so i saw some replies to it that said oh boy so inspirational or whatever <laughs> and so if you come out that second game and you don't play well then you know, you wonder, is that going to be a narrative? You know, that guy doesn't, you know, right. breathe fire, all that stuff. So so he, he came across as somebody like, hey, we got this. We have some things to learn. Right. We learned something in this Florida game. Um, and then they took it to Anaheim. Now that sets up these next two. Again, two winnable games. Doesn't mean they're going to. There are two games where they should be favored. Right. Um, they really should sweep these ones. If they don't, then... You know, this is why you do a show once or twice a week, right? <laughs> right. It's an 82-game season, but you know, plenty to work on, but also plenty of things that really make fans feel, I believe fans should feel good about. Yeah, and look, it's, it's two games, so really you take everything out of these games, and, and you know, I wouldn't put too much stock in anything at this point, whether it's guys struggling in the first game or guys playing above expectations in game two. Scott Mayfield had all three goals last season total. He's already got two. He put them both in against Anaheim. Does that mean he's going to be a 20-goal scorer as a defenseman all of a sudden? Likely not. Robin Salo gets two goals. And, you know, we're still waiting to see what kind of book he's going to write as a, as a promising young defenseman here. I mean, he has a little more upside compared to Scott Mayfield on the offensive end of things. But, hey, a great start. And Noah Dobson's picking up right where he left off. He's putting points in the board already. So it's great to see that you know, not only on the score sheet, but we are literally seeing the defense being more involved in the 
offensive side of the ice here. And if that's something that they can balance with also being responsible defensively, then you're going to see an uptick in point production out of defense for sure. At some point in the next couple games, they will have that game where maybe they lose four to one again. And it'll be because, you know, it was a one, one game and they got caught in deep. And then that's going to be a storyline. I mean, this is why how things play out, right? When you talk about running the D because they don't, have the personnel to really be go 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 right like they don't have that you know maybe Salo can emerge as that so I thought the Salo two goals was great Mayfield hey that's just fun right like you know he he would probably sign up right now to have six all year and and he's a six seven maybe he needs already got two the other thing I liked about the win was that Clutterbuck comes back Right, Wallstrom comes in, yes, and they win, and and, and they took it to them. And, and listen, Anaheim isn't so terrible. I know we've kind of you know made it sound like that was the it certainly was the easier game on paper, maybe the easiest one this week. Yeah, for but, sure. But it's still it's a good sign that two more of the guys got back into the lineup. And you took it down. Not only that, but Wallstrom gets on the score sheet with a nice backhand goal as well. And in a limited amount of ice time, I think he had under 10 minutes on the game. But it's good, like you said, it's good to see them both back in. And he gets a goal off a nice feed from J.G. Pajot to spring him for a breakaway. And, and you know, that's that's the sort of start he's kind of looking for, too, because he wants to solidify himself as a regular on this team. And you had Bellows start in the first game against Florida. We're going to see if there's going to be a rotation between two those two guys or if, you know, one of them's going to kind of, you know, lock themselves in there. It's going to be interesting to see how that plays out. They, they need, you know, I, I saw Ethan Sears in the New York Post. He there seemed to be this feeling that, you know, whether Wallstrom was going to get his job given to him, had he earned it or not, I thought he was hampered by some injuries. If he's healthy, you have to run with him and, 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 and give it a shot for a while. I mean, if anything, and I started to see this today when I asked on Twitter about reactions on and off the ice, you know, the, the, the flares are going up a little bit about Barzal's line mates already. <laughs> yes. Your thoughts, Look, just going back to what I said before, we're two games in. Mm-hmm. Let's let's see it play out a little bit, right? Let's see what happens. And if, if you're going to start complaining about what the guys have or haven't done in two games, then I'm going to say you're probably a little impatient. Especially after a 7-1 win. So, you know, this is, this is where we're at. I mean, I'm sorry. I find it a little absurd to say. If, after the trots change, there needed to be some sort of reason for it. So the first time Lane Lambert mentions, yeah, we're going to, or probably even answered a question, or are we going to start to see the D join the play more? Well, of course. We, and right. every coach says that. Coach teams in the middle of their seasons say that. They're sure. asked, hey, don't you? Well, of course we want to get them more involved. I want to see them get, like, it's all so darn tiresome. And my problem with it when it comes to the Islanders is, again, I don't think they necessarily have that personnel to get away with it that much. So um, time's going to tell. I'm just, you know, put away the defense on the offense. <laughs> I just liked, you know, to use the culture word, the throwing it back, the keeping the group together, not just in the, in the Anaheim game, but also in the Florida game. They looked more like they used to when they were better. That's the yes. best way I could put it. So let's see how these next couple games play out, and then two on the road after these two. You know, we'll have a little bit of a better feel, but 
Um, I, you know, if they'd only beat Anaheim 3-1 the other night, I'd feel the same way. Sure. Like, like good start, guys. Good start, Lou. Good start, Lane, and everybody else. I'm with you on that. And another guy who's off to a good start, Ilya Sorokin, he gets <laughs> both starts, and he's fantastic in both games. Now, with that being said, do you think that Semyon Varlamov could get a game here before we hit the weekend? Because you have the back-to-backs against Florida and Tampa, does Sorokin keep riding here? Or do we see, you know, and wait till, you know, you have the back-to-back where you, you typically see the backup come in? Or do you think he'll spell Ilya for one of these two games midweek? That's a good question. Um, I would, I if you're asking me what I would do, I, and I'm not a <laughs> hockey coach, but I would just go with your number one goalie because there hasn't okay. been a lot of action. I know then, the, the, whenever Volamov plays, they'll, he's going to have a little rust with him, but right. I would wait till the weekend for that. Um, I just feel like this is a team that needs wins early, not just for the points, but also for the spirit and all the corny crap that we often talk about. But I think Lambert would uh, would uh, back us up on that, that, that this is not a team that can go four, six, and two. You know, like they, they need their points, especially in those winnable games. So you put, you, know, you, you put your best forwards and defensemen out there. Why would you not put your best goalie who's rested, who's not hurt? And he was fantastic. I mean, I got a couple of numbers thrown at me on that Twitter thread too about you know puck possession and scoring chances right, and, right. and his numbers were good in both games. There were even some like you know one person said that on the ice they actually were better in the Florida game. Right, that just right. way over my head. Uh, it's like <laughs> this in every sport when we get that stuff. Um, but I, you know I would I, I guess I look at it a game at a time, and I would like to see my number one goalie play in the next game. No, I'm with you. Let's let's see how far he can take it. He's off to a good start with the first two games. He gets a night off in between each game here, and there's you know they're both home games. They're not traveling, so I say as long as he has a good game tomorrow night against San Jose, run him back again against the Devils, and then you split the games against the Florida teams. And that Devil game is going to be interesting because they have Anaheim on Tuesday, who needs a win. The Devils need a win. They are two games in. The fans were chanting uh, "Fire Lindsay" the other night. Uh, Lindy the other night. Wow. Um, you know, the, the Devils are going to be, you know, gunning for the Islanders. That's a big game for them. And let me say this on the subject of Lindy Ruff, even though I know this is an Islanders show, it's somewhat relevant. As much as uh, Lou Lamorello's firing Barry Trotz, you know, is was strange and, and raised a lot of eyebrows and right. all that stuff, it, it is, I'll give him this, it is not the weirdest coach hiring or coach situation in the NHL or even in the New York metropolitan area. And this is tough because um, I, you know, when I do this, when I did the show last year, when I'm a guest, I've actually, I do sometimes will pull my punches about people who I really, really care about. Mm-hmm. And Tom Fitzgerald is the general manager of the New Jersey devils. Right. He's, a, he's an old friend and he's somebody I think the world of, right. I do not understand how Lindy Ruff ever got that job? Interesting. And now all when, because there were plenty of other candidates available, sure, and better ones. And since then, I it, now it's really an, impossible to believe that he's still. How could they have not 
change the coach after last season. And then, the, I mean, everybody thought it was expected. I think even Lindy Ruff did. And it was only natural. He's not done anything. They have not mm. taken any steps forward. They are a flawed team. Don't get me wrong. I'm sure. not saying they're great. And then the last part of this, which is really interesting to me, is that the owners of the Devils, the new owners of the Devils, they have a lot of investments in European soccer and Major League soccer, but mostly in soccer. You know what happens in, like, the Premier League? I don't think you followed, right? But it, and if, in, <laughs> not heavily. In the Premier League, uh, the, the top league in England, right? Liverpool, Manchester. Sure, United, sure. Right? Yeah, okay. yeah. Right. If, if a coach loses four games. <laughs> right, he, gone. He's gone. <laughs> right. Like, it, it's almost hysterical. The way Not he, only gone, but also the, the, the percentage chance goes up of them suffering violence <laughs> away oh, from the, the arena as well. The, this guy in Chelsea, you, you know, they were rebuilding. I won't get into that, but, like, he's was gone. You know, the, the season's a month old. So you would think there would be a little of that soccer culture in, in the Devils. So hmm. I don't think Lindy Ruff, you know, who knows, maybe they run off a few in a row, but that is so, so strange to me. I, I get nothing against Lindy Ruff. He right. just hasn't had results with any teams in a long, long time. He was most successful when he was in Buffalo and he had a goal, you stopped everything. Right? That's true. That's true. Well, look, it's not a good sign when two games into the season your fans are calling for your head. So if things continue going the way they're going, you know, they might just get what they want. And they, you know, they have a lot of young talent there, and they could be, I, I, you know, I, I am in favor of the locals all. In a perfect world, they're all great, and they're all killing each other. So I do root for that a little bit. I'd like to, I, don't, I don't like to see, I see the devil stink forever, just I didn't like it when the Islanders did or when the Rangers did. Sure. They've each taken their time to it. I'd like to see a better coach over there and make this a, a better rivalry for all three. Well, we shall see what happens, but why don't we break here? We'll thank everybody for tuning in on their favorite podcast providers here at Hockey Night in New York. You can check us out at HockeyNightNY.com. And, of course, for regular shows, check us out at Twitch.tv slash HockeyNightNY for the live shows. We'll get back to that regularly coming next week. So, folks, thanks a lot. When we come back, we'll start talking about a little game ops because, hey, the Islanders kicked off a 50-year anniversary season, and they had some uh, interesting things going on in that first game. So <laughs> we'll take that break. We'll pick it up when we get back. Thanks a lot for tuning in. Hey, Islander fans. You already know Blue Line Deli and Bagels is the best place to get your game day meal. And now you can get it at the game. Blue Line Deli and Bagels is proud to be featured in the brand-new UBS Arena for all Islander games and live events as an official partner of the New York Islanders. The line is also moving beyond Belmont, opening its doors at 217 Carlton Avenue in East Islip. So whether it's at the Islanders' new home, East Islip, or at the flagship deli at 719 West Jericho Turnpike in Huntington, all three locations are eager to greet you with their familiar friendly service and the best food around. So stop on in for delicious Bagel Boss bagels, hearty breakfast favorites, tasty hockey-themed heroes, freshly made smoothies, and so much more. And remember, you can always check out the menu and order online at bluelinedeli.com. Blue Line Deli and Bagels. Our goal is to make you a hero. It's a new Islander season, and you've got a great spot to catch all the action. RJ Daniels American Barn Grill in Rockville Center. Inside the bar or the heated outdoor patio, you won't miss any of the excitement on their wall-to-wall big-screen TVs and in-game sound. Enjoy it all with delicious food, drinks, and plenty of specials in a lively atmosphere staffed by the friendliest folks around. 
RJ Daniels is in the heart of Rockville Center at 279A Sunrise Highway, just steps from the train station. So come on down. Watch the boys in blue and orange continue their quest for Lord Stanley with your fellow Islander diehards. And when the game's not on, stop by for a great meal and a great time seven days a week. Hang for the late night bar scene or book a party or catering for any occasion. Call 516-536-6258 to make reservations and go to rjdaniels.com to check out the menu. RJ Daniels American Bar and Grill, your home for New York Islanders hockey. Thanks for giving some time to our sponsors. Ready to talk more aisles? The train rolls on right here on Hockey Night in New York. Welcome back to the program, ladies and gentlemen. The train does roll on here at Hockey Night in New York. You're listening to Sean Cuthbert and Chris Botta. And Chris, like we said before the break, 50-year anniversary for the New York Islanders. They opened the season at home. And they made some interesting choices to ring in this 50th anniversary season. So why don't we dive into that and, and get your thoughts on, on, on what happened on Thursday night at UBS Arena. Well, in summary, and thankfully, <laughs> you know, they already... Listen, when you, when you come up with an idea and it tanks, fans, fans <laughs> were united by one thing. And it's tough to get Islander fans all on the same page on one thing. Fair. And... Uh, it was unanimous that this siren that they attempted to kind of start a new tradition has nothing to do with Ralph Macchio, nothing to do right, with John Tanelli. Right, they just happened right. to be the innocent uh, right. figures there. Right. Um, you know, it just it was it was a bomb. And listen, you know, it, you couldn't find one person to say anything good about it. And and it stinks, right? If you, it stinks, if you're on that staff it stinks if you're part of that decision right. because I, nobody tries to do anything that doesn't work of course i worked for a team that famously had the fisherman jersey i worked for a team that <laughs> right. had uh we had a mascot that scared the ever loving shit out of little kids i mean it, like <laughs> so, talking about niles so, are you yeah bring him back I'm i miss that guy <laughs> i will never forget the first and, and by the way like now fisherman jersey like you know lived died I get all that, right? It's the, back. The, the Niles one, like, I I just don't, you might hear me, I don't talk, I don't care a lot about Jersey, I don't care about a lot of, like, per, uh, merchandise stuff. It's like, my, my feeling is, you buy it or you don't buy it. Like, that's how, that's how right. things are judged. Right. right. So Niles, I never really even gave any thought to the fact, other than that he looked nautical or whatever. But I'll never forget the first time I was near, like, the top of the 200 section, so that first half of the Coliseum. And he's standing there, and this little kid came up with his family, and he just screamed. He just was <laughs> so so. It, it's not fun for the people who go through it. The main message, and I was would have said this. I don't script my uh, things, but also a lot of fans did say it in the replies. The main thing that you hear from fans is stop trying. Don't try mm. too hard. Mm. Let things happen naturally, right? Sure. A, a goal song works out over time. You want to try a couple of things, you know, but to force a new tradition, you know, this siren. And by the way, uh, somebody uh, who works in the business, like, sent me an Amazon link. It's a It was a $300 si uh, siren thing that you can get anywhere. Like, there was just, <laughs> you know, um, 
It's just bad. Now, I will say to the Islanders' credit, because I think at times there was a thing with the anthem last year. Some fans got mad at me. Most of them, though, you know, believe that. This kind of force, we're going to sing the anthem thing. Mm. Did you know about that? You know about no. that. Right. Force so, now? Yes. Well, no, what it was was the young lady or whoever would start to sing. Oh, and then, and she'd then she'd stop. drop the mic. Mm-hmm. And, and that, that worked in the Coliseum with the acoustics and everybody at a playoff mm-hmm. game or whatever. But then what happened was like on a Tuesday night, mm-hmm. and this is another thing, right? A lot of fans are saying, you know, the problem with UBS is there's this hall and this place and all these drinking. Yeah, that's where the new buildings are now, everywhere. Right. So, like, if you, this was never going to be the Coliseum. I mean, Correct. Please, I can't help. People can't really think that. The, the goal of these buildings, it's commerce. The goal of these buildings <laughs> yes. is to get you to spend as much money. Right. So, you know, when you're allowed, and Islander fans are great, right? You know, when you're allowed in the big moments, that's what matters. So, but the main message, if you go through the replies to that question that I asked for fans about everything from the team to tickets to parking. Right. They, 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 you know, they, there's some argument, a siren, unanimous. Some people say play the Slapshot, Maxine Nightingale song, get right back to it. Start, you know, some people say do this song, but everybody says just stop forcing things. Stop with the fake uh, marriage proposals. You know, <laughs> it ruins the <laughs> rare ones that are. Um, I don't get it, you know. I the everybody will go for the low hanging fruit, and New York Post will do a story on it. I don't. I'm a publicity person. I don't have all the answers. I'm a PR person, but I don't believe in this thing that all publicity is good publicity. I think he just looks stupid. I think it makes the team look like a joke. By the way, the Rangers have done fake marriage proposals too. So have other uh, teams. Just stop with all the force stuff. You have an incredible fan base. You have an incredible tradition with these players who won the Stanley Cup who either live around here still, the ones who sadly haven't uh, left us recently, or will be here in a moment's notice if you book their flight and and take care of them because they love to be part of it, and then even on non-Cup teams. So... Just let these things happen more naturally and stop with the anthem, stop with the, with the, <laughs> start with the siren, all that stuff. It'll come over time. And by the way, if, if the team doesn't do well, you know, then you, can't, then you really can't force stuff, right? You know, right. It's, teams got to win and let the fans do their thing. They, they will, the fans won't let you down when it comes to that stuff. Don't, don't put things in on the fans or expect them or force some things down their throat. It doesn't work, Sean. I don't mind the team trying, but but there has to be some sort of thought process in, in the attempts. And it just seems like with the siren, it, it's a thing that, and look, it's so unimportant, but it's something that they fell flat on their face on where they really didn't have to. You know, maybe maybe just get a sense of what the fans think of the sound of this new thing. And if it, because if it had a sounded cool or good, people would have embraced it. But it sounded like, you know, nails on a chalkboard. And, and nobody nobody it was into it. I checked it out, and I was like, you know, they and they also had a trial and error with this in Brooklyn because they tried to change the goal siren there too. And that was a complete failure. Nobody liked that either. And and they they did the same exact thing. They said, all right, we made a mistake, and they went back to the original, you know, the, the previous horn. And they, the, same, the history just repeated itself. Again, it's such a minute thing, a, a goal siren, but, like, again, it, they... They, it was an easily avoidable, you know, pie on the face sort of thing. They didn't have to do it, and they made this whole hubbub about it. And, and it's kind of embarrassing that they had to go back on it, right? So it's kind of silly. And and look, I don't give a crap about the proposal. Do you think that was staged, by the way? 
that that one? I mean, it's I mean, I happen to think that that one you was, do. but, but okay. I wouldn't bet my life on it. Okay. Um, if it wasn't, then you know, sometimes maybe you gotta save these people from themselves. Like the guy, t- <laughs> so the guy takes. Let it be a lesson. With, with Don't the, propose the, in a sports the, game. The, the guy with his shirt off. Um, well, listen, I was asked a few times. One time in particular, a good friend of mine, guy I grew up with. Um, he asked, he told me that he wanted to ask his wife at a game. And mm-hmm. the reason why, and I didn't remember this, but like four years earlier, I'd given him my two tickets for a game at the Coliseum, and that was their first date. So okay. that was his reason. But I said to him, I said, listen, is, um, I won't use their names. Is, <laughs> is, is, is she a, like, is this become your thing? Right. And he's like, no, we haven't been to a game since. Yeah. I said, I said, I think you could thank me later. But I would say, don't do it. He's a musician. I mm-hmm. said, you know, you want to do something maybe around, you know. I said, I, I don't think she's going to, you know, I appreciate where you're coming from. Sure, I get the instinct, sure, but don't right. do it. And he didn't, and he thanked me. He, he told her after she yeah. said yes what he was thinking of, and she said, thank Chris for me. Um, I get it. For the fans who, if you're going to do it at a game, it's because, at an Islanders game, it's because the Islanders and your partner this is your thing. Yeah, like, to tie your, the binds. Right. Yes. So, 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 so if that's the case, it's fine. So that's another why. That's another reason why sometimes they look fake to me because you, so, sure, you know, if it's two people who live here, go to all forty-one games, right. who will not go on vacation. This is what they save up to do. For example, right, right. Um, right. So that's why they just seem uh, more and more forced. And now it's gotten to a point where I think maybe some of the good people out there who might want to do it, mm-hmm. they're not going to want to do it there. <laughs> yeah. Because it's just, it's just gotten a stain. And, right. And, you know, ESPN, they fall for the stuff all the time. They show it on. Right. You know, I just, it's, right. it, it's, it's kind of, it's pretty gross. Well, look, whether it real or not, it generates clicks, right? And that's, that's why they pick this stuff up. But yeah, let it, let it be a lesson <laughs> to those of you out there that are thinking about it. If it's not like Chris said, had something that that really uh, ties the two together maybe better off thinking of something else yeah well I, everything else really in the replies and if you were able to get to it is it was interesting in that um there was you know, when it comes to parking it was like really mixed there were some people mm-hmm. who said i got in and out of the so for the, the way i understand it is for that lot mm-hmm. if you're a season ticket holder you buy it all or you buy it buy it all at once i think it's 30 dollars a game and, yeah. and people seem to be getting in and out of there quickly. The parking garage. Parking garage. Yes. Excuse me. Yes. yes. Sorry. Thank you for clarifying. Yes. Um, heard from a couple people who said they didn't uh, after the first night. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's the usual uh, gripes about Emerald and then just trying to get to Cross Island and all that. So I don't, you know, I think we have a good feel for it. It's not like everybody's, you know, unanimous in saying this is terrible. But it's not, it's far from perfect. And nobody ever thought that it would be. But I mean, there are, if you check the answer to what I posted today on Twitter, mm-hmm. you'll see some, you know, what seemed to be some very genuinely sincere, uh, frustrating moments for fans, you know, not, not getting out. And then the big one is the train. Love the train, love the station. Right. The concern is not enough trains or yeah. the timing of the trains. Right. So you could be sitting there. You might get out of a game closer to 10 o'clock if it goes long or whatever, and you could be sitting there for another hour or more, and nobody's looking to do that. Yeah, I saw that more than once, that it seems like they don't have enough trains running after the game that coincide with the ending of a game, especially if it goes to overtime or a shootout. It looks like you're going to be hanging out for a while. Yeah. And I don't 
I don't necessarily think that that's by design because look, you know, Islanders are pushing Belmont Hall. It's open till midnight. It's a place you can Ooh, hang look at out. You being cynical. I'm just throwing it out there. I'm not saying that's why they're doing it. And look, if they, they should have the train arrivals <laughs> on, in Belmont Hall, like this when's the next train's forty eight <laughs> minutes away or something like right, that. Right, right. Uh, no, look, I'm I am sure that if 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 enough people you know let their voices be heard, and you should. If you're not getting enough trains, if you're not getting enough, you know, departure times after the game is over, keep speaking because I'm sure the Islanders will do what they can to, to you know, work with the MTA to make something happen there. And and hopefully they will. But, yeah, I mean, that's that's kind of your only other option, right? Hang out at Belmont Hall, throw 13 bucks on a drink, <laughs> wait until your next if train you comes. have kids, that could be a problem. <laughs> right, exactly. Um, now, I get it. Listen, I was in the city tonight. You know that we're filming this right when I get off the the train, I was with my wife and one of my sons at a music event, and it ended a little after 9.30. My train coming back to Rockville Center was 10.04. If I didn't make that one, it was 10.51. And so now I've become my father, who for years <laughs> we made fun of you. But I said, when the music event was over, I said, I said, I said, quick goodbyes we're getting out of here yeah I, I want, not just because i was I'm, I'm never in a rush to be here but i was like i i am <laughs> not sitting in penn station for 40 minutes because we just missed this train that's a pretty big gap 1004 to 1051 Sticks yeah going look to the, the, the later it gets the the more they're spaced out yeah yeah so yeah you got to be timely yeah, so I'd like to see them have more because I think fans maybe have some flashbacks to Barclays and waiting there. Yeah. And nobody wants that. The, the, there's a lot of really, really good things going on around UBS. It's mm. a beautiful place. This train station is a positive. You just, you know, you want to work on these things. And listen, I think the if the Islander fans convey this to ownership management who has a good relationship with the railroad, right. with the state, with the municipalities, you know, things can, it's, you know, there'll be times where it's not perfect. We don't always get everything we want, but I think over time, mm -hmm. these things should improve. Yeah, and it makes sense to start out a little conservatively, right? Feel things out, see how things go. And now that the feedback is coming in, Hopefully they make some adjustments and, and, and there'll be less, you know, complaints and, and whatnot. But look, it's good that the trains run in both ways. Hopefully they, they sort this stuff out and, and they make it a little easier for, for fans that are a little further away that, that, that hop on a train. And, and I think one of the other things that came up again, is it important? No, but the, the victory song I believe has changed now. I haven't been in the building yet since the season started, but I saw there was some gripes about the, the victory song being changed. And I don't think that's on the Islanders. I don't think that's game ops. I think that came from the locker room. I think the players made the decision to do that. Interesting. Yes, because their last two songs, I know the two songs ago was a Jay-Z song, and I'm 99% sure that was the players. And I think they chose to change it to Maxine as well. And I think, I mean, I, ha I haven't seen confirmation on this yet, but I'm going to you know go out on a limb and say that this was a player's call. Who, who do you think, when we say Maxine, Maxine, I, think, I mean, only because the song's 50 years old. So I read this <laughs> right. one. But are you saying the players also suggested that? I believe that I believe so. Again, I, I can't give you 100% firm on that, but I'm pretty sure that came from the locker room, and, and I would not doubt it if it came from the locker room this time as well. Right. I don't think that's a game ops thing. I mean, it is a feel-good song. It's Slapshot. They get on the bus. They play it. Right? That's a connection to it. It, yeah. it seems to be something uh, that fans like, so they they might want to <laughs> They might want to go that go that route. Look, if look if it comes from the players, I say embrace it because the players came up with it. And look, and higher higher love isn't a bad song. Gotcha. <laughs> just get used to this one, <laughs> you know. And and just to kind of piggyback on this, you know, people are 
you know, it's it's very the the goal song is is a little divisive too. Some people like it, some people <laughs> don't. But you know what? I, I think the Buffalo Sabers are actually allowing players to choose their own song for when they score a goal, and I think that would be something pretty cool for that's, the team to do. That, that's a pretty good idea. You, you know, you want to make sure the songs are. I mean, I, I know they got to pass some sort of a smell test, right? But, of course. Um, but I mean, I, I kind of like the baseball guys going up to a certain thing, a certain song at, at each at bat. Um, right. Yeah. This as long as the fans know, you're right. That's the one thing they might not love every song or love every idea, but if it's conveyed that this was like a team thing, right? This is the spirit they want. You know that will work. I mean, fans are not going to argue about that, right? I, I agree with you there. And and just to to tie a bow on this, you, you talked about things being forced and stuff like that. And yeah, I, again, I haven't been to these first two games yet, but I believe they were playing a Blink One Eighty Two song that the Avalanche play, and and people yes, noted people on that. Like that. Yeah. yeah, I mean, look, I think you can find a balance between being original, which is probably the preferred way to go, and and taking some things that you know, kind of work, right? Like the Islanders have their, their yes, yes, yes chant. No other team does that. And it would be pretty lame if another team, you know, tried to take that on. But again, this is a, is, this is a step they didn't need to take. Like the Avalanche have their Blink-182 sing along. Let them have that. The Islanders don't need to do it. They have their yes, yes, yes. I think they stole their, their sound effect from, from coming out of a, a penalty. You know, the, the Super Mario Brothers. One. I, yeah, I, I dig that. that. That's yeah. cool. I like that. I think that's a nice touch. Whatever. And again, like you're not going to please everybody. And these things are so unimportant. It's, it really just matters, you know, what happens on the ice. And yes, you have a good experience while you're there. But, you know, I guess in some respects, okay, cool that they're trying things out and trying to get the fans more involved. But they have to find a balance between what works and what doesn't. You know, in my business, I guess like everybody's got their thing. A thing that I often tell the folks that I work with is I use, it's a tennis term, unforced errors, right? An unforced error in tennis is when you have an easy forehand and you hit it 10 feet wide or you hit it into the net. It's a, it's a shot you should be hitting back, but you don't. You mess up. That's right. an unforced error, right? There you go. Um, and I, I try to – often I say, let's be careful. Let's make sure we don't make any unforced errors. We're going to make errors. Right. But let's not make ones that are kind of out of nowhere. And yes, when I worked for the Islanders, we made plenty of unforced errors. When I, I get, you know, I'm just, <laughs> right. I'm just saying, just think about that. However, things are being done there, you know, whether it's one, you know one of the owners. A lot of times, it could be family members. Hey, we should try this. You know, family member of an owner or, mm-hmm. or somebody high up. You know, I get that. That's natural. Uh, everybody's got ideas. Just try to think about these things a little more. You're gonna have your little blips along the way, but. You know, that siren thing that just went, you know, really bad on them. But <laughs> yeah. I, I, you know, I know I'm often the first person to say you don't get credit for like screwing something up. And I, I do give them credit for just ending it and making it clear. I saw something on Twitter about a half an hour before the game and, you know, they were throwing it away or whatever. Yeah, Sparky. I, I, yeah, and, yeah. and for them to do that in such short term, that must have meant things moved really, really quickly. Like right. Maybe before the end of the first game, everybody was saying, this isn't going to work. I don't want to see that again. So right. I, I do, they, I give them credit for moving off that. So uh, lessons learned, uh, mistakes are made. Uh, win the games. Exactly. Have fun. Exactly. Yeah. And what have you done for me lately? 7-1 victory against the Ducks. Yeah, you know, uh, customer service is good in the arena, but maybe when you're walking out, when everybody's walking out, it would be helpful to have a little more with the traffic flow and things like that. Just uh, 
you know, don't forget about the people when the night's over. Right. right. You know, let's get this, make the trains better. Let's make a, I think there's something, I've been to a couple, it seems to be there's some more things they could be doing after the game. So everybody goes home with a good experience and wants to keep on going back. Absolutely. So why don't we move on to what's on tap? We kind of started talking about what's coming up a little bit, but let's do it officially as we are proud to be sponsored by RJ Daniels for this segment. And now it's time for what's on tap. Brought to you by R.J. Daniels, American Bar and Grill. That's right, folks. It's time for What's on Tap. And as we started to discuss earlier, Tuesday, tomorrow night, or tonight probably for most of you listening to this show, they will be playing the San Jose Sharks, who are off to an 0-4-0 start, I believe. So they are struggling. They're going to be looking for their first win. And they come into the building, team with new general management, Mike Greer now at the helm over there, and uh, brand new uniforms, really sharp, actually. I like the new uniforms that they have there. But look, they're coming in here, uh, you know, doing that East Coast swing. Hopefully the Islanders can take advantage of them like they did against the Ducks, a team that, as as Chris mentioned before, uh, probably a lesser team in, in as far as the, the expectations for this season go. So you have them coming in. Then the New Jersey Devils on Thursday, as we spoke about before. And then a back-to-back in the state of Florida. Saturday, they go into Tampa. And then Sunday, they look for a little revenge against the Florida Panthers. That's, that's a back-to-back set there against two really tough teams. The Sharks are in full rebuild mode. If you were going to do the checks or, you know, the tail of the tape, who's got the advantage, you would say the Islanders have the better goaltending. Yes. No matter who plays. <laughs> Maybe sure. even the guy in Bridgeport. Um <laughs> They have the better defense by a lot. They probably actually have the better forward core, which is not, I, I know there's some good high-end stars on, on San Jose, but right. 12 against 12, and they have the better coach, probably. Um, just, I don't think San Jose coach is very good. Um, <laughs> which means, be scared, folks. It's going <laughs> right. to be. It's what they call a letdown game, I think. Yeah. Uh, I mean, they are so easy sometimes to laugh at. But Toronto on Monday night lost to Arizona. They sure did. Ha! I mean, I mean I, yeah, I'm sorry. I'm not even. And that apparently, way that's either. been going on for 20 years. I read it earlier. They haven't won a game at home yeah. against the Coyotes in 20 years. So there'll be another 20 stories on the Athletic, which I actually <laughs> talk up the Athletic more than anybody I know, including especially Kevin's uh, uh, coverage and, and others. But like, we're going to be hearing about this game for a while. So anyway. We, these games, none of them are easy because you're always one goalie performance away or a clutch goal from San Jose. Sure. Um, Devils games are going to be interesting. Boy, they, I mean, the Devils should be fun to watch, but they seem to not be able to get out of their own way. So I'm looking forward to seeing that game on Thursday. And then, the you know, the back-to-backs in Florida. I mean, they, they the Islanders... If they're the Islanders who are running it back and are continuing to prove themselves, they're going to get at least one of those games and maybe more. Okay. I, 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 yeah, I wouldn't count that out. Okay. I like that. Yeah, so a little easier in the first half of this week with the Sharks and the Devils, and then it gets tougher, not only tougher teams, but also going into Florida back-to-back games. We'll probably get our first taste from Semi Varlamov if we don't get it sooner in the week like we talked about before. So a chance at eight points. I'm satisfied if they get five to six. Yeah. And that Florida trip, I mean, I hate it when the team would do back-to-backs because I don't play, so I don't care. But that that, <laughs> right. that that purely becomes a business trip. You're, you know, maybe the day before, late afternoon, you get to relax a little bit or play a couple holes or sit by a pool if the weather's nice. 
but then you're going right back in and you're yeah. in your routine. You have your morning skate or your meeting, mm-hmm. your nap. Like, you know, they're not seeing the Florida sun or anything. That's a business trip, but that's a good thing. And, you know, the team will have their hard hats on and, and uh, yeah, it's just, you know, that, that the rematch against Panthers will be, be something to watch. Yeah, and I'm pretty sure that's a 5 p.m. start. And it's actually one of the rare games for the Islanders that doesn't start after 7 p.m. For, for whatever reason, even with the amount of weekend games they have this season, not a lot of them are matinees. Tyler Gilden in my uh, Twitter replies when I asked the question about everything, game ops, the roster, whatever else, mm-hmm. he pointed out that they only have one weekend day game at UBS. And, th- it, and it's in March. And I think that's against the Detroit Red Wings, if I remember correctly. But that's, you know, that would seem to be on purpose, whether that's... A, Lamorello thing or I mean to only have one when you have your own arena when right you, when you have say right. over events you know it's not like they're I mean, I guess I could have a college basketball no you know, I don't I mean that seems to be on purpose if right? you were going to speculate why well, do I mean, you think the answer is would... always going to be a little Lamorello no 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 I'm not saying that. who's responsible right. really but what would be I suppose the motivation behind getting away from the matinee games I versus the I, night games on the weekends. I actually can't sit here and tell you what their record has been in the last 10, 15 years in day games. At okay. the Coliseum. What I can tell you is just like, you know, bless her heart, Lisa from Milander Mania and P- fans who I follow and see a lot on Twitter. Mm. There seems to be a lot of games when the Islanders play in the day at yeah, home. I've seen that too. Where, yeah. I, yeah. where it seems to be kind of a thing where, oh, it's typical slow start of the day mm. games for them or typical, you know. So, you know, and, and so I, I, without the real data in front of me, I would say this if they were 37. Eight and two in the last few years, you'd be happy having more day games, right? Sure. So, um, well, well, let me ask you this: like, is this something that could even go this far? Is it? Let's say you know, Anders sits down and lose office one day, and he says, "Hey, I've been talking to the guys, and, and they really don't prefer not to play the afternoon games." You think that's something where Lou would say, "Okay, I'll take that into account." And he would lobby for for more night games because the team is more comfortable playing more night games. Yeah, I yeah. don't think that happened, but if it, but if that would definitely be if 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 the team as a group through their captain goes with a spe, you know kind of a request on that, mm-hmm. that is absolutely something they would okay. take into consideration. I just um I mean it's evidence that doesn't, you know, it's, you can't count it for real, but I do know when I worked there, the guys loved a lot of the day games, uh, they liked having if they if it's a Saturday day game and they didn't have a game on Sunday, they liked having the rest of that weekend in the, you know New York, whether it was to go into the city, to go on dates, to go out with their families, sure. to have that downtime and have the decks cleared and to be able to uh, to unwind for a little bit. So, but it, the only thing that I feel pretty confident about is that. If it's true, you just have to confirm, although I, I trust Tyler, that they have one day game on the weekend. No, I think he's right, yeah. Okay. What, that just, all I could say is that's not by accident. It, it was somehow right. declared. There isn't anything getting in the way of them being, you know, they're, the only, listen, if a team's playing on Friday night in Carolina, they can't play Saturday after, and we get that, right? Mm-hmm. But there, there should be the opportunity for more of that. Between you, October and April, yeah. yeah. And usually you stay away from Sunday day games because of the NFL through January sure, or so. Sure. But that doesn't get in the way of Saturdays, and this is not a, big college football town we don't have teams we have i know people love it and stuff but um so that's that was that's an interesting one and you know what i think 
uh, between the two of, the, of us, mm-hmm. maybe the other host of the show, Christian Arnold, like maybe it's something we could poke around and try to get an answer about. Okay, so stay tuned, folks. We'll see what we can get on that. But it is pretty interesting that they have gone away heavily from the afternoon games. What do you say we get into the hero of the week, Chris? How do you feel about that? I'm always up for a hero. Let's do it. That's right, folks. When you hear this song, that means it's time for the hero of the week, brought to you by the Blue Line Deli and Bagels half-price hero, which this week is the Blue Liner with chicken cutlet, bacon, melted American, Russian dressing, on a toasted garlic hero. So, big thanks to Blue Line Deli for sponsoring this segment. Go in to the Blue Line Deli and Bagels Huntington location for half off the Blue Liner. Chris, I'm going to start with you. After these first two games, who is your hero of the week? Easy one for me. Uh, highlighted by his two goals, Scott Mayfield. But for the, for the entire body of work, great draft pick by Garth Snow and his team. Great signing. Uh, I, if the agent's happy with the deal, that's fine too. But it was a heck of a team-friendly deal. Something along the lines of five years and $7,500. You know, excuse me, $7.5 million. <laughs> Incredible deal. Good guy by all accounts. Uh, community-minded. Very good player. Uh, to me, an above-average uh, defender. So maybe you put him like slightly above-average defender. A guy you'd put on your third pair. A guy who's going to be wanted. Like certainly wanted by the Islanders. Going to be wanted by other teams. But then to have a night like that where you get two on top of that, as you're, you're a player, it feels good, right? Yeah, and especially a guy who's not expected to pot two yeah. goals in a game. So no question about it. And, and he's certainly... On a mission to earn his next contract after that, what I would also consider a bargain of a deal that he got out of his last one. So he'll be a UFA at the end of the summer. It'll be interesting to see if he's a guy that the Islanders can bring back. I'm sure they want him back for all he brings to the table, but we'll see if they can fit him under the cap and all that stuff that goes on. But yeah, an excellent choice in Scott Mayfield. I'm not veering too far from that, and then I'm going with his... D partner, Mr. Robin Sallow, had a rough go of it in the first game against the Florida Panthers, had a couple of turnovers there, a little bit of a rough game, but he bounced back on Saturday, also scoring two goals against the Anaheim Ducks. So there you have it. There's your heroes of the week, the third pairing, Scott Mayfield and Robin Sallow. Let's count up how many games it'll take, and maybe it doesn't take long, for them combined to get four now. (laughs) <laughs> right after they got the four in one game. Sure. How, how many games is it going to take for them combined? Could be Sal getting four and Mayfield zero. Whatever right, they got to get right. to. Um, let, let's see how that plays out. I like it. And look, you know, they're putting more and more faith into Sal. He's getting some power play time. So he might be the guy who kind of carries the torch with that. But look, if he's making it happen, that's a good thing because he he's a guy they need to see some offense out of for yeah. sure. Yeah, and I think they're going to be... It's just natural that they're going to be kind of signature Lane Lambert players, right? How does Salo do this year? That doesn't mean that's like Trotz is the reason for Salo not not, getting much of a chance. But certainly Wallstrom would be in that category. Uh, Maybe one or two other guys. And if they all pan out, you know, it justifies the coaching change. It, 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 It shows that there was a reason for it and there was a benefit. Would I like Barry Trotz to still be coaching his team? Yes. Right. But these are the people who you're looking for is for your signature. You know, I'm sorry, they're just not going to get five goals from defenders. They may not <laughs> the rest of the season. Right, so, right. You know, but you do want to see continued enhanced development. 
And uh, if we continue to see it from those guys, you have to give credit. It's not just Lane Lambert. It's it's an entirely new coaching staff. Right. And look, if if your forwards do continue to struggle, there's nothing wrong with the defenseman picking up the slack. It doesn't matter where the goals come from as long as they're coming. Yeah, it's something that just fluky too, right? Because if, let's say it's four, the defenders get four goals on shots from the point. Right. That's just a that's a skate lace away from being an Anders Lee goal, and we're not right. talking about this. Right. right? Absolutely. Or I mean, you know, it's like it's not like they're skating through everybody and Bailey's hanging out back at the blue line. In fact, you know, covering for them. I, it's a little fluky. I believe Noah Dobson's goal was initially awarded to Matt Martin. Yes, I think they was. thought it was a deflection, was. and then they gave it back to him because it didn't go off Martin. But you're absolutely because right. Matt Martin is such a company <laughs> guy. He knows about this edict about more, and he's like, nah, didn't hit me. You know? he, <laughs> Hilarious. He, he gives no Fs at this point of his career. He's like, give it to the defender. That's so funny. Good guy. Well, there you have it, folks, your heroes of the week, the third pairing, Scott Mayfield, Robin Salo, doing a great job in that game against the Anaheim Ducks, contributing to the 7-1 victory. Remember, you can stop in all week to the Blue Line Deli and Bagels Huntington location, mention Hockey Night New York, and get half off the Blue Liner. So, Chris, I think this is a great spot to take a break, and we'll get into the last leg of the show here. We'll, we'll talk about some comments and questions that we got throughout the day. So, folks, once again, I want to thank you all for tuning in to Hockey Night in New York. We'll take that quick break. We'll be right back. Miss the days of mixtapes and arcades? Love the taste of a bold IPA or maybe an ice-cold lager? There's a place where all of those magical things come together. Lost Farmer Brewing Company. At 63A East 2nd Street in the heart of Mineola, Lost Farmer combines a love of the 80s and a passion for quality beer to create brews that can only be described as gnarly, radical, and totally tubular. The retro vibe of the tasting bar will amp up your nostalgia while the blend of both local and exotic ingredients amp up your taste buds. Beer not your thing? Crack open a can of cider or a sip of Chardonnay on the extended patio. Order up from the snack menu? You can even bring your own. If you're more of a homebody, pick up a growler to go or order online at lostfarmerbrewing.com. And for Islander fans, Lost Farmer created the delicious Stable Shaker American Lager to celebrate the Isle's new home of Belmont where it's poured from taps throughout the arena. So raise a cup to the next cup with Lost Farmer Brewing Company, the future of Long Island craft beer. No whistle in any event, and here comes Lane. Lane at center, a long shot wide of the net. Tonelli in after it, off the stick of Carlisle. Tonelli scores! John Tonelli is back the game! Welcome back to the program, ladies and gentlemen. You're listening to Hockey Night in New York with Sean Cuthbert and Chris Botta. Little clip there sent from a fan, right, Chris? Uh, talking about that old siren at the Nassau Coliseum. Yeah, he gave it a historical context. That actually happens to be my favorite moment, all-time moment in Islanders history. Uh, for the fans who recognize it, you know, it's 1982. The Islanders have won two Stanley Cups. They're playing Pittsburgh. It looks like they're going to lose the series. They're down by two goals late. 
And then, of course, John Tonelli, after the puck skips over Randy Carlisle's stick, he scores, and then that's the siren. And, I, you know, I'm sure that's why, I mean, John Tonelli is around. He's had his number retired, but I'm sure that's why he was asked to be part of that with Ralph Macchio. Right. And so, you know, what you're hearing from fans is like, okay, if the siren was that, they would probably be okay with it. Yeah. But... Whatever, you know, it clearly something went wrong the other night. So let's, we're going to write that off, but just for his, just for historical perspective, uh, you were amplifying this uh, for the fans who didn't know, you know, that was the old Islander siren in one of its greatest moments. Yeah. The, the siren that I heard in the, in the clip that, that I saw on social media did not sound like that. No. I have a feeling if it did, it would have been a little more warmly received, it wasn't, and it's been sent to the junkyard already, and, and that's how it goes. So now, folks, it's time for Questions Brewing. It's time for Questions Brewing, brought to you by Lost Farmer Brewing Company. That's right, folks. It's time for Questions Brewing. I want to thank Lost Farmers Brewing Company for sponsoring this segment. So, Chris, I'm going to start you off with this one here. This comes from at Matt Orenstein. How do you expect the Isles to resolve their roster situation outside of keeping Aho on the quote-unquote phantom IR? The way I always answer these questions when asked is that these things almost always work themselves out. Mm-hmm. Somebody else gets hurt. Somebody, you know. So that's, if I had to put money down, that's what will happen. Like I, if, if, I don't think there's an implication here, but it's not like, you know, he's going to get waived or something drastic or uh ross johnson you know who's on a one-way contract so i I, i'm going to say that i would give it a little more time to see if it works itself out but i'm interested in your answer well i guess it just kind of begs the question and and you know it's probably something the gms do every now and then to buy themselves some time right before being forced into a waiver type of move or having to get unload somebody maybe somebody tweak something I'm, I'm doing air quotes and ends up on the ir because they're not ready to, to to potentially lose somebody to another team right i'm sure that happens so with that being said it's not something you can do the entire season and if they stay healthy you know i guess the question here is if and when lou ends up with his back against the wall what they're gonna do and it's tough to say because they love having a guy like Ross Johnson around. Every time they extend him, it's for like four to five years, even if he plays 20 games a season. But he's one of those glue guys that they like having around the locker room. I know some fans are starting to, I don't want to say get getting tired of, of a guy like Matt Martin, but they're looking at his play, I suppose, you know, regress a little bit because he's getting up there in age and, he, you know, he plays a very tough game and he's his body's been banged up over the course of the years. You know, that's just going to happen when you play the type of game he does. But, you know, you have to remember that, A, these players aren't robots, you know, and they, they're human beings. And they also, a lot of them contribute more than just what you see on the score sheet or what you see on the ice, right? And there's there's value in having some guys that that don't necessarily put points on the board, but... The, either whether it's the coaching staff and or the players, they like having these guys around. So, you know, it does it it does make some fans, I suppose, frustrated when you see a certain player, I guess, get sent down to Bridgeport, like Oliver Wallstrom, who can still go down there and, and not have to worry about waivers. I'm not saying it's going to happen. I'm not saying it. I think it does. But you see that happening sometimes so they can hang on to everybody that they want to keep around the squad. A couple things. Uh, Matt Martin, I believe it won't be anything with him. If you look at 
what Lou has stood for, family, his belief in the player, too. Um, I just don't see that happen. Like, Matt will be part of this team for the rest of this year, in my opinion. The Ross Johnson thing is interesting to me because because of his contract. Mm-hmm. Don't you think that makes it easier for him to go through waivers? Yes. Now, now by the way, every, almost every team has one guy, whether it be the coach GM who they really believe in, and mm-hmm. and and the other teams don't see it, right? Right. And and, and it might, you know, Ross Johnson or might your own be, fans. Yeah. Or your, your, okay. <laughs> yeah, well, that's always a common thing, and, and yeah, okay. Um, it was the thing with Uncle Leo for a long time, and oh yeah, yeah right. So, um, that that's a thing. Now, I. I if you're a team, if you you're faced with a waiver claim on Ross Johnson, you're looking at picking up his contract, which has multiple years left on a one way deal. Right, the money's not allowed. It's a million, right. I believe. Right. So unless there's some team out there with a scout or a coach who's like just waiting for that moment <laughs> right. to happen, and right, I, I can't rule it out. But I would say it would just be most likely. So I think if something like that needed to happen, mm. he would be somebody who would clear. But I don't think we're there yet and I'm not advocating for it either. Mm-hmm. I just I just think that is an option at some point. Yeah, and if there's anybody you're looking to blame, it's Sashnikov <laughs> because he yeah. had himself a good camp and they like his speed and they like what he brings in the penalty kill. So he's kind of added this this element of what do they do when everybody's healthy with with Cal c- coming off of IR, Oliver Walsh from coming off a of short-term IR there too. So I mean, yeah. he's the league. Sashnikov you would think would be the leading candidate to be put on waivers. Yeah, I think so. Um, and he's the new guy. And then the funny yeah. thing with that is, you know, there'll be a lot of fans and, and inevitably there's even media will say like, Oh, he'll never clear. How many times do you see somebody go yes. on waivers and really, it, it really time. educated, knowledgeable in the know media folk. I say this respectfully. Um, will say, I can't see any way he clears. And right. they almost always do. Right, yeah, you're right. <laughs> and part of it is because that team then is like, okay, if I take that, if I take Sashnikov, now I got to most likely dump somebody from my guy. And I right. like, and I like right. my guys. Like even San Jose is probably like, is it worth it? Let's say it came up. I'm just thinking of San Jose because they stink right now, right? <laughs> sure. Um, you know, like, are they? Oh, is it worth it adding this guy? So, you know, I... I those would be the leading candidates unless we're missing something. Sashnikov, Johnson, in that order. And my, I'll, I'll speak for myself. Yeah, no, I'm pretty much with you there. I mean, especially Sashnikov not having the longevity the rest of the guys have. He's kind of the new guy in town. I do believe he's also on a one-way, which is interesting. But, again, if push comes to shove, yeah, he's probably towards the forefront of that because he's probably, you know, compared to the rest of the team, a guy that they're more more willing to, to dump or unload, if you will, if they have to. But I think you're right from the top of this question where this stuff tends to work itself out, and you, and you don't really end up in that situation. Yeah. I just want to throw out one thing. Uh, S. Slangus, uh, it, uh, it says, Rick, yes, there is no K. I hope he doesn't mind me. He's the one who sent the video with the siren. Oh, he awesome. He even says he's a season ticket holder, and he gives up his section as Twitter, but I'm not going to say which section. I don't know. Maybe some <laughs> Islander ticket representative be mad or something like that hey the siren didn't work so uh, we appreciate rick uh, passing that along yes absolutely absolutely so i believe you uh did you have another question coming from you oh the, the question was about barzell's line five on five what are we gonna do 
When does there come a point where we got to do something about that? I throw that to you, sir. That's fine. I think when they struggle. When I say they, I mean the team. I don't necessarily mean the line because if the team continues to win past their one victory so far this season, then they're going to give them more time to figure it out, right? Because something's still working if they're winning, even if that line isn't putting up points five on five, right? But... That's usually when coaches make changes, right? When they start losing a couple of games or, or what have you, right? When the team's winning or when the team's having a decent amount of success, they let it ride a little bit. And and I think you have to. I think you have to put, because there's really, the options are limited, right? Either, you, either you're juggling the lines or, or what else are you going to do? I don't, I don't think there's a, a move that's imminent right now, right? So you got to give them a chance. And as long as they're, they're at least playing above 500 hockey, let, let, let them roll with it and, and put faith in the fact that Parisi and Paul Mary are going to start scoring goals before January, as opposed to what they did last year. And, and maybe they just need a little more time to figure out Matt Barzell, because I mean, I I imagine it's got to be a little more difficult to play with a guy like that who has a very unique play style. Not every center in the NHL is doing circles around the offensive zone and getting through everybody and, and waiting for that perfect pass. And, and I think you got to give them a little time to gel, and 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 you know, and look, the the microscope focuses more on it if they start to lose, if the team struggles collectively, right? But if you're getting goals from other lines or from the defense or whatever it is, let it ride because that means things are working elsewhere. Why pull a guy from a line? Let's say Bo continues to score playing on the second line, right? Why pluck him off of that line to replace Parisi or Palmieri if it's working there and they're winning games, right? Yeah, I, I you know, honestly when. I just keep on thinking about it. And I'm not breaking any ground here with analysis, <laughs> but I just think Barzal is a hell of a hockey player. Oh, no question. Especially at ice hockey. You know, like, really get, like, <laughs> well put, Chris. I, I I'm sure he's going to roller hockey too. In the week or so <laughs> since we did that show, uh, you know, some of the other people I'd reached out to to kind of like gauge their opinion. Yeah. Uh, or, or I've talking about people who work in the NHL with teams. So they all came back and they said that number's great. And the reason why, on, on, if he went unrestricted, he would have gotten that a big number, yeah, a, a beyond a Goodrow, beyond possibly, is because of all the things he does for you, including like you know, we talk about this offense from the defense thing. Well, he's the one often carrying the mail through, right, right, right. And, like nobody else does. This is a really unique player. I get it that he needs to produce and the points need to be there and he needs to make everybody around right. him better. Those are all true things. But I think, and I don't think that, you know, a friend of mine had said that he'd heard some booing at the last exhibition game. Stop it. I, yeah, I, 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 I'm not doubting my friend, but maybe right. you know, three people in one section might be jealous because not only is he really good looking, <laughs> and all that, but he, now he's got all the, and, and all the skill and hockey. And, and apparently and, a brand new BMW. And, I don't know if you saw that. I heard about that. He, he, he gets to park for free now. So, <laughs> uh, and now he's making over, you know, I, I, not if, bad. if it was three Nimrods booing out of jealousy, because yeah. he had a turn, you know, I, you know, that's not a big deal. He's a remarkable player. And, um, I hope, you know, it, to me, it reminds me of LaFontaine. It was like LaFontaine was somewhat of a one-man show for mm-hmm. most of his career. He had good line mates at times at one time. He had a great one in McGillney, but not with the Islanders necessarily. And I think that could be Barzal's thing, but he just he does so much for a team. In a week, a week after the guy signs that, that contract, I feel like he's somewhat underappreciated. I, I think if people talk to fans of other teams or people with other teams, 
they'd appreciate him even more as to what he brings. Yeah, and I and I think you made a great point when you in relation to Barzell and offense from the D in that he's creating space for those guys to get those shots off from the point, yeah. to get their goals and assists if they're if they're banking in off of somebody. But it's true. The work that he does down low to draw those players to him, because sometimes he's double, triple teamed. Right, and he's opening up the blue line, and 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 I think that's something that the Islanders are specifically looking to take advantage of, and maybe that's why we're already seeing some increased production from the D, and why why we might continue to, because they see what Barzell can do in the offensive zone. He can create the space, and he can open up the point production for the D on the back end. Yeah, and I like to see Wallstrom there eventually. That would be nice. I think that is the long term goal because he's supposed to be a trigger man. We've seen what he can do with a stick. We can see what he's do shooting wise. It's just a matter of again getting used to a guy like Barzell and and making some magic happen there. And Ray Farrell made the point that, you know, it's tough to experiment especially early on if you can't give it 20 games because if it fails and the season's gone by the boards. I get all that. You know, let's see how his current line mates do, but but I'd like to see him up there eventually. Love it. Well, that's going to do it for Questions Bruins. So thanks to everybody for throwing in their comments, their questions. And before we wrap up real quick, Chris, we wanted to introduce a, a new segment, I think the last time we were doing the show, a little top five thing. So so random, random, basically a random topic, a top five, I think Chris and I are going to try to do every now and then. But tonight, we're starting with the top five backup goaltenders in Islanders history. We have a little list here. We'll see. Let us know if you agree, if you disagree, and maybe in no particular order here. But we got five names for you. Let us know what you think. Now, we should say this is Sean's list. <laughs> it's not a Wait we. a second. Wait I a said, second. I said, why don't you do yours, and then I'll opine. But, wow. I, but, but, I, but I did see your list. You you asked for clarification on one guy. Showing, I, that's true. That's true. A guy who happened to win three Stanley Cups. <laughs> okay, but right. I, I, but go ahead, do your list. All right. Well, you didn't have much objection. I Let's did put not. it that I way. Did not. I did okay. Not. Fair. All right. Fair enough. So here you go. Glenn Chico Resch, Roly Melanson. In order, Resch one. Okay, Roly Melanson two. Thomas Grice three. Garth Snow. And Wade Dubowitz. What do we think about that list, Chris? Um, it's good. It's, I mean, <laughs> it, you know, uh, I'm all for Chico one. I know people will say, well, Roly won three cups, Chico won one. But Chico was part of the team pretty much from the beginning. So when we talk about all the players, you know, going back to Eddie Westfall, who were part of that thing, mm. Chico absolutely, and I am old enough, I was around, Chico absolutely was part of, yes, to use the culture word, which I didn't use back then. He was the, the fun guy. Billy was the intense guy. Uh, Chico had some big regular season wins. Chico played in some big moments. Right. And it was amazing that Billy did take over. And Billy was always the starter through the playoffs, even in the Roley years. Roley has to be, too, because of the Okay, Cubs. okay. Uh, and then I think, you know, there'll be plenty of arguments. Sure. I also want to say, you know, Purple Hearts for Wade Flaherty, for Eric sure. Beach, Like, you know, everybody, yeah. everybody on those bad teams, you know, should I'd like to name them all. And I also uh, want to qualify this a little bit because because technically, 
almost any goalie on a roster could be a backup goalie depending on what point he is in his career, right? Like when he's a, when he was a rookie. But we're not going to put Rick Di, Rick Di Pietro on this list right. because he was expected to be a starter. We're not going to put... Or Varlamov. Exactly, <laughs> I exactly. Think, I was thinking about it. Exactly, because he's a great backup now, but it's because he's aging now. You, you guys know. But but yes, like we could technically say Roberto Luongo was the best backup they ever had because he was technically one when he came in, right, to start his career. So I think just using that context, these are guys who are kind of expected to be backups maybe they ended up taking the starters role due to an injury like that's why I put Thomas Grice on this list because he was phenomenal in that season in Brooklyn when they won their first playoff round where he stepped in for an injured Yarrow Halak and he was great but he was an expected backup on that team just like Garth Snow ended up being the backup when Chris Osgood came in and he ended up having some good seasons as a backup as well Garth absolutely deserves to be on that list there was a stretch that was in the um in the second, so Peter Laviolette's second and final season, but then also uh, Steve Sterling's first season mm. where the goalies were out and Garth had to carry the ball because everybody else was injured. And the other thing I'll say, and it was well documented at the time, so I'm not talking out of school, uh, but Garth was going through a lot of family tragedy. Uh, and it was a, and he somehow, you know, was able to persevere and, you know, dedicated, I'm sure, a lot of what he was doing to, you know, on the ice to his family. And he was phenomenal. Like, he was the reason why they got into playoffs. He wound up playing in that Ottawa series uh, that we lost, um, but didn't lose because of him. And, no, so he, he had as good a run as a true backup who then had to step up. And he was right. also good when, when, he, when he was a backup, too. Yeah, and, and I'll give the same sort of props to Wade Dubowitz, where that Ted Nolan season was, it was looking great. Rick got himself hurt. I'll never forget it. That game against Montreal when he came out basically five feet from the blue line to, to get a puck, and he ends up getting concussed on, on the collision. I think it was with Steve Bejan, if I remember right. It doesn't matter who it was. Yeah, right. But he comes out. Mike Dunham goes in, and they start hitting the tank. It's not going well for Mike Dunham. They put in Wade Dubowitz, and he essentially saved big part of saving that season. Obviously, everybody remembers the big poke check at the end, but he's the guy who stepped in and got them some wins when they needed it at the end to get in the playoffs. Yeah, they had to win four games to end the season, and they needed like 17 different teams to lose. and right. And it all happened, and uh, Doobie was part of it. So, you know, some of these things could be folk heroes too, right? Like we could say, oh, well, this guy was definitely had a better goals against average. Well, some of these things are just kind of moments in time, right? Right. so great to see Doobie on the list. So uh, I, I, you know, I welcome hearing from you. Know, maybe we'll put it on on Twitter in general just to get feedback. Yeah. Uh, but let's think of it as pure backups. Um, you, you come close. Some people might argue the Chico Roller thing. I'll take Chico every day of the week. There you go. And look, honorable mention to Tommy Sodish for the birdcage. <laughs> for every, all, I, all the backup goalies on the bad teams. Uh, should get purple hearts. I mean, it's just like, <laughs> like uh, unbelievable. Imagine it's it's bad enough you're on a bad team, then you don't even get to play regularly. So when you're going in there rusty, so uh, yeah, we had a we had a lot of them, and I'm just smiling thinking about all of them. So awesome stuff. Well, Chris, uh, we somehow managed to go pretty long tonight. So especially jumping in a pitch, want to thank you a lot for for helping out tonight, and uh, I think we can wrap it up there. Absolutely. Thanks as always to the fans and. To the team, and let's have a great, great season. I think it's a nice start so far. Let's see where it goes from here. Chris, I'm with you. 
There's your outro music. So, folks, want to thank you so much for tuning in to Hockey Night in New York tonight with Sean Cuthbert and Chris Botta. And, of course, want to send a huge thanks out to our sponsors, starting with Blue Line Deli and Bagels, located at 719 West Jericho Turnpike in Huntington, an official partner of the New York Islanders, and, of course, the best deli around. Another big thanks to R.J. Daniels American Bar and Grill, located at 279A Sunrise Highway in Rockville Center, the best place to catch the game when you can't be at the game. And, of course, a big thanks to Lost Farmer Brewing Company, located at 63A 2nd Street in Mineola. Check out the tap room. Check out the stable shaker and all their great offerings. And, of course, my personal favorite, the Blueberry Vice, a lovely sour. Check that out. A lot of great selections over there. So, folks, we'll be back at it next week. If Christian Arnold isn't covering all other 17 teams in the New York metro area, he should be back with us next week. But either way, keep it to the socials so we can let you know when the next show will be you can follow myself at shawnee hockey on twitter chris where can we find yourself at chris bada nhl you can find christian arnold at c underscore arnold zero one you can follow the show on twitter facebook instagram and now tiktok at hockey night and why thank you all once again for tuning in for chris bada my name is sean cuthbert we've been hockey night in new york we will see you next time